You're listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 127. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Robert McCaw. Uh, Robert grew up in a military family traveling the world. After graduating from Georgetown University, he served as a lieutenant in the United States Army before earning his JD degree from the University of Virginia School of Law. Upon graduation from law school, he spent a year as a judicial clerk for the Supreme Court Justice Hugh L. Black. He then practiced law in Washington, D.C. and New York City. And now he writes uh, mysteries uh, set on the big island of Hawaii. Uh, Bob's had a home in Hawaii, and he's uh, long been a fan uh, of its uh, history, its culture, its people. And so when he started writing uh, mystery books, he set his uh, series uh, there on the uh, Hawaiian island. And his latest book in that series, Death of a Messenger, is going to be published on January 5th, 2021. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon if you go I want to go get that now. Uh, before I get into the uh, interview with uh, Robert, I want to let you know, um, since we're getting close to 2021 here, it's right around the corner, I want to let you know, especially if you're a, a writer, a aspiring writer, and you're listening to this podcast, I have a spreadsheet that's my uh, word count tracking spreadsheet. Uh, I had it professionally developed uh, by an Excel uh, programmer, an Excel guru, a whiz, and uh, it is uh, something I had to... Uh, put together for myself a, a few years ago and uh, I shared it with some friends and they really liked it a lot. So I decided to uh, put it up for sale a couple of years ago and it sold very well the last uh, few years and the 2021 version is ready. So I wanted to let you know about that. Uh, you can check that out at thrillingreads.com forward slash count, C-O-U-N-T, thrillingreads.com forward slash count. And you can check out my word count tracking uh, spreadsheet. Uh, if you're a writer and you're interested in doing and checking that out, uh, go for it. Uh, it's only ten bucks, um, but it's a, a great way of keeping track of your uh, writing goals and meeting those writing goals here in uh, 2021. All right, uh, here is my interview with uh, Robert McCaw. Robert, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. And uh, hello to all of your listeners. You have an interesting background. Uh, you, as I said in the intro, there you practiced law for uh, for many years. How did you go from practicing law to now writing mysteries? Well, um, part of my law practice, um, because I was a litigator and I defended um, uh, some uh, uh, criminal cases, I was always playing detective. I was trying to figure out what the facts were. Uh, and to do that, you need, obviously, to read the documents. You need to interview a lot of witnesses. When you get into litigation, you're both um, defending and uh, taking depositions, trying to nail down um, that wonderful question, what happened? Uh, and you get different perspectives from different, uh, different people, making uh, the chore all that much harder. Uh, so uh, that put together with a longstanding interest in um, uh, mysteries um, and in puzzles. Um, I found myself in Hawaii in the uh, uh, mid-1980s. Uh, uh, I fell in love with the place, its history, its geography, uh, its people, its culture, uh, and I felt this compulsion to write um, uh, about, that, uh, about that culture and about that history. Uh, and as I 
worked at it, um, I saw a mystery story um, as a way of encompassing um, lots of the history and lots of the um, culture and uh, lots of the language. Uh, and uh, literally, that's how I came up with the first book. Uh, you've said I had a lengthy uh, legal career, um, uh, which I did, uh, and that career kept me from finishing Death of a Messenger, which is the first book in the series, uh, for almost 20 years. And it wasn't until after I uh, decided to uh, stop the active practice of law that I really got the book uh, in final shape and uh, finished it. So, well, I mean, that's in brief the story of how uh, I came to write the first one. And after that, uh, there are two more that are published, uh, Off the Grid and Fire and Vengeance. And I have a contract with uh, Ocean View Publishing to do the fourth book, which will be called uh, Treachery Times Two. 20 years in the, in the making. That's so, that's so fascinating that you stuck with it. Was it, was it always in, in the back of your, of your head? Were you always thinking about it, even when you were busy with your law career? Were you, were you always thinking about the book? Uh, yes, I think that's a fair description. I mean, I would wind up on an airplane, for example, after a court appearance or a deposition when I wasn't um, uh, you know, preparing for the next uh, legal step. Uh, and I'd pull a draft out of my briefcase uh, and I'd write a few, a few paragraphs or sometimes a whole chapter, uh, depending upon how long the flight was. And then it would get put away for a week or two or a month. Uh, and on my next vacation, um, I would pick it up again. Uh, and uh, that's the, that it literally was a 20 year process. The uh, latest book then is uh, Fire and Vengeance. Can you tell us about that and uh, about the story about that and how that, that came to be for you? Part of my fascination with Hawaii has always been the geography. I mean, we're talking about this uh, series of islands in the middle of the Pacific that are all volcanic. Uh, the geologists believe they all came from a, a single hot spot uh, in the tectonic plate in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and the islands bubbled up and then the tectonic plates carried them off to the Northwest. And so we have, um, you know, Kauai and uh, then Oahu and then Maui and then Big Island. And the Big Island is still volcanically active and is still um, uh, erupting. Uh, and I found that um, uh, absolutely fascinating uh, and uh, uh, used that as, the, uh, uh, as one of the major themes that go into um, uh, the first book uh, and which also uh, play a role in the uh, off the grid, and finally explode in a fire and vengeance uh, with the eruption of a volcanic vent under an elementary school. Uh, and uh, from uh, that uh, horrific event at the beginning, um, uh, Koa Kane, my protagonist, slowly discovers that the school was knowingly built over that volcanic risk, and that takes him on a long uh, an involved uh, hunt for uh, the people uh, and the proof that uh, they knew um, that uh, they were putting children at risk and teachers at risk. Um, and it becomes a story um, that's very much tied to a series of events that happened long ago. Uh, maybe that's as much as I should say without being a spoiler. <laughs> and how did the character of uh, of 
Coakini come to you? Is that was that based on people that you met on the on the islands, or is, how, how did that come to be? Well, as I said, I've I, in my legal career, I played detective for mm. a long time. I mean, um, uh, I, I I make a little bit of fun of it now by saying played detective, but it was a very serious endeavor to find out the facts and to see a lot of the skills that um, both lawyers and policemen and FBI agents and prosecutors use to try to get to the truth in our, uh, in our adversary system. So it was pretty natural for me to come to a, a detective type character as my protagonist. What was really difficult, probably slowed down my um, ability to finish the book, is that I decided to make that character Hawaiian. And of course, I'm not Hawaiian. Um, and so I had to do a great deal of research to try to put him into role in an authentic way. I studied the, uh, the language. I studied the history. Uh, I talked to some cops in Hawaii, been to virtually every place that makes up a scene in the book. I did that deliberately because I wanted the island of Hawaii, which fascinated me, to essentially become a character in the book. Uh, the land interacts with the people. Uh, they interact with it. It shapes them. And I want the story to tell that part of the, uh, of the characters. So that's how I came to a, a detective and then how I came to a Hawaiian detective and ultimately made him the chief of um, detectives in Hilo, Hawaii. And so were you a fan of, of before you started to write your, your books, were you a fan of crime fiction and, and, and mysteries and thrillers as a reader? Yes. Um, I'm, uh, I've, uh, I've read uh, crime fiction and uh, thrillers uh, for uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the many of the themes in the book come from um, my experience with lots of other authors. I mean, um, James A. Michener is uh, perhaps the, one of the leading examples of turning um, a place and the geography and the culture and the people and the history uh, into a character um, uh, in Hawaii and in, in his book, Hawaii, and in many other of his books. Um, you know, Jane Harper, who's uh, uh, done much the same for the Outback in Australia, or Greg Isles, who does it for Mississippi in the, in the South. Uh, those, those are all authors that I had, uh, had read and admired. In a different vein, Dahlia Owens uh, has such a grace in writing, um, uh, you know, where the, where the crawdads sing. Um, I, I very much admire both her ability to take detail and her, 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 her grace in writing. If you look at uh, kind of the, uh, the, the culture and history aspect of this, uh, Tony Hillerman, um, um, and, uh, I think I learned a lot from, uh, from his books. So all of those, all of those and many more come into play in, in the deep background behind what I've written. Yeah, I was a big fan of James Mishner myself too. Those are, those are my dad's favorite authors. So when I was, uh, growing up as a teenager, I saw those big books on the shelf and started to read those. I remember reading Hawaii and when you were describing how Hawaii came to be, it reminded me of that, of Mishner's book where, I think the first 100 or 200 pages, it's like a geography lesson. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, you know, because of my, my writing of the books about Hawaii, lots of people ask me 
um, uh, at least before COVID, uh, <laughs> asked me uh, about uh, where they should go in Hawaii and what they should see. And every one of them, I said, you know, you want to start your journey with uh, Michener's Hawaii because you will appreciate the place so much more um, if you've read that book. Because um, I think of Hawaii actually as two Hawaii's. There's the, the tourist Hawaii, which is beaches and palm trees and uh, girls in hula skirts and uh, coconuts. It is by and large a manufactured vision uh, by the PR people who want you to fill the hotels and the restaurants and the other uh, aspects of the tourist Hawaii. Then there's the real Hawaii where you have um, sovereignty activists, you have all of the kinds of social problems that you have any place else, uh, but you also have this wonderful geography. Big Island, for example, has uh, six of the world's uh, major climactic zones, ranging from alpine at the top of uh, the volcanoes to uh, desert uh, is in the uh, southeastern uh, part of the island, rainforest in the uh, northeastern part of the island. Uh, it's just uh, a fascinating place. Most people don't know that it has some of the largest cattle ranches in the world uh, and that the, uh, the cowboys called paniolos uh, largely came from Mexico and Spain. So it's, you know, they're just all these little pieces of history that uh, fascinated me. And I work into the books as much as I can. Is that, uh, do you find that to, to be uh, challenging to, you have all this research that, that you do and to figure out how much you need to put in and still keep the book uh, going uh, at the pace that it needs to be going? Is that a, is that a challenge or is that fun for you? It's fun. Um, uh, it is a challenge. Um, and I, uh, I have um, lots of cuttings on the, uh, on the uh, cutting room floor uh, <laughs> uh, where I've decided that I went too far in that direction. Uh, but one of the things that I have uh, discovered is that uh, if you save all those cuttings, um, uh, maybe 25% uh, uh, of them can uh, come back to life in another book. And so what is your, your, your writing process like? So uh, when, you're, when you're working on a, on a book, uh, do you write every day? Do you have word count goals? I'm just kind of curious as to what, the, how, what your writing day is like. Since I've really become uh, serious about being a mystery author, I write not every single day, but most days. It's usually in the early morning. It's always on a laptop. I found that um, the laptop, I've, I've got instant backup on the cloud, so I don't run the risk of losing anything. Um, I've got instant access to the internet, um, which uh, is very useful for research, although uh, I believe very much in going to the places that I'm going to describe. I actually take cell phone photographs frequently so that I can remember tiny details uh, and sometimes I'll see details in the photographs that I didn't see when I was there. So I bring all that stuff together on, on a laptop. I typically know where the story is going to start. I had, for example, the first, in Fire and Vengeance, I had uh, the first uh, maybe four chapters uh, kind of outlined in my head. And I kind of knew where the story was going to go. But uh, I then, it develops as I write it. And one of the at least for me, one of the problems in doing that is that you wind up having to go back and rewrite 
scenes and chapters that you worked on before to put in the clues, to put in the hints, to put in the, 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 uh, the, the pre uh, disclosure of uh, certain facts that become important in the story. Uh, but that's a process that I also find enjoyable. Um, uh, I'm a believer in editing and editors, and I've gotten lots of benefits from many editors, including my wife, who reads everything. And has the, uh, I was curious now with, the, with everything that's been going on this year, has the pandemic changed your writing process at all, or is that pretty much stayed the same? I guess as writers, we've all pretty much been uh, self-isolating for a long time. <laughs> Well, I, I was going to say, um, uh, there is very, very little that I can say that's good about the pandemic, but the one thing that it's done is to give me a lot more time to write because um, I am self-isolating and I don't uh, do the travel that I was doing. It gives you a lot more time to write. It also is great relief from, the, uh, from what uh, would otherwise be the boredom of being locked up in a prison. <laughs> a nice prison, but still a prison. What, what do you use to write your books with? Do you use a, like Microsoft Word or something something different? Actually, interesting question, because um, uh, so, I don't know, a couple of you, three years ago or so, I discovered Scrivener, mm -hmm. which um, is wonderful for the early stages of writing, because it's just, it's just so easy to reorganize. If you write in, in chapters or even scenes, you can just flip those around easily without... Um, without having a, a, a lot of mechanical uh, process in there. But as I get toward the um, complete manuscript, I, I switch it all over to Word because the, the editing features of words, the, the Word, the uh, grammar and the spell checker, the ability to use Grammarly, which I, I think is a terrific little program, and the fact that you know my uh, agent and my publisher both use Word, uh, make that kind of the go-to um, program for uh, for the completed book. And so do you start, uh, w while your book is being uh, edited and going to the editing process, are you like, do you start working on the next one or do you wait until that one's all finished before you, you move on to the next project? No, I, um, I, I'm usually working on a, a new book all the time. And I have to break that process to go back and, you know, do the proofreading so, for example, in the last, uh, in the last month, um, I have been uh, proofreading the final um, uh, material for the republication of Death of a Messenger. Uh, I've been proofreading the manuscript for um, Treachery Times 2, uh, and at the same time, uh, working on a whole new uh, book, which... Um, involves a different set of uh, a different location and a different set of protagonists. Uh, so I've got had three major projects um, essentially going simultaneously. Oh, well, so that's pretty good. That probably helps keep it fresh too. If you start getting, you know, stuck in one world, you can jump to the other. <laughs> well, that's true. It's also true. Um, I find um, that um, I get too close to the, the, the book, I get too close to the manuscript. Uh, and by coming back to it um, a week or a month um, or sometimes even longer later, I see holes and gaps that I should have filled. Um, I see, you know, sometimes very minor inconsistencies that I want to correct. Uh, so um, I find that uh, process of 
getting a little distance from the from the words and coming back to be very, very useful. When you're writing your book, what are the hardest scenes that you find that are difficult to, to write for you? Does any of them come to mind when you, when you think about that? One of the things I think is that makes um, books, uh, fiction in, in particular, interesting is the ability to get inside people's heads. You can talk about, you can describe what they're thinking and why they're thinking it. Um, and, um, if you're, if, if I'm doing that for a detective, um, uh, it's relatively for me, relatively straightforward because I have some experience, actually quite a bit of experience in how detectives think not only from my own experience, but having been across the table from prosecutors and from other lawyers where I'm describing the thinking process of somebody who is, completely foreign to me, uh, that's a challenge. Uh, uh, that can be a, a really serious challenge. Um, uh, for example, in um, several of the books, Koa's brother, Ikeka, uh, is, is, a, is an important character. And uh, Ikeka was a, a disturbed um, child, a disturbed teenager, and became a, essentially a career criminal which creates this tension, obviously, for uh, Koa. Um, uh, but it's much harder for me to get inside this criminal's head in a realistic way uh, than it is, for example, to do the, the detective. And you can, you can spin that same contrast out depending upon what the, uh, what the character is or who the character is. And so the third book uh, in, the, in that series, Death of a Messenger, uh, is going to be out in January, I believe. Um, well, let me, let me back up and tell you a little bit of, of a story. Actually, Death of a Messenger is the first book in the series. Oh. Um, uh, and um, uh, after I wrote it, I went through the traditional uh, new author uh, dance of trying to find an agent <laughs> and trying to find a publisher. Um, and um, I'll tell you, it's a daunting process for a new author. Uh, most of the publishers are uh, interested only in the tried and true, uh, and uh, it's hard to get an agent. You find that many people don't even bother to respond to your inquiry letters. It can be quite discouraging. And ultimately, I decided okay, if I can't get anybody else to publish this book, I'll do it myself. And I then uh, went through a process of, of looking for a um, company that helps people uh, self-publish. And there are a number of them. Uh, and um, I ultimately wound up with a very, very good company that did wonderful editing and wonderful proofreading for me, produced a really quality, quality product, which I then self-published. After that, uh, and indeed that book was critical to my uh, winding up with uh, Mel Parker as my agent. Uh, he read it and liked it. He read the second one and decided to, he would be my agent if I wanted him, and he's been terrific. Uh, and he then introduced me to Ocean View Publishing, which published uh, Off the Grid and then published Fire and Vengeance and will publish um, um, uh, Treachery Times 2. And they decided that they would like to republish uh, Death of a Messenger. Uh, and so in January, the republication of Death of a Messenger with some changes. I went back and made some changes, some character development, 
uh, in the book. Um, that comes out in January of 2021. And then Treachery Times 2 will come out in January of 2022. Well, that's fascinating to hear because you always um, hear that the agents and publishers are, would have, aren't interested in, in books that have, are, had already been self-published. They want something new. So that's, uh, that's awesome to hear that in your case, uh, they, they were interested even though it was already out. So that's, that's pretty neat. Well, it, it, it's a tribute, um, I think, to, to Ocean View because uh, they, they have been absolutely fabulous in working with me and publishing the books. And, you know, they're very supportive of authors. And it's obviously very beneficial to me to get all four books on the same platform mm-hmm. um, uh, so that uh, they're distributed um, together. And uh, Ocean View has been uh, fabulous at that. And I think that's one of the reasons why they agreed to, to uh, republish Death of a Messenger. And so what's the uh, story of, uh, behind uh, Death of a Messenger? Can you tell us a little bit, uh, a little sneak peek about that one? Uh, sure. Um, on one of my many trips to Hawaii, I went to the top of Mauna Kea, which is um, an extinct, at least they believe it's extinct, volcano. It's about 14,000 feet high. And at the summit of the mountain or near the summit, there are two vastly different and contrasting things. One of them is a ancient Azkori, um, uh, where a, specific, a very uh, dense form of Hawaiian lava was mined by the ancient Hawaiians for stone tools, for azes, for hatchets, for knives. Because if you think about it, the typical lava, if you tried to make a a hammer or an az out of it, it crumbles. It uh, it wouldn't hold an edge. But this lava, because of its its history, um, was much denser and much harder. So it became a a, a platform, basically, or a, a, a product for stone tools. And the quarries are extensive. They cover seven square miles. Um, uh, They were extremely active for a long time. Um, And then you go a little bit higher up the hill and you find some of the most sophisticated telescopes in the world, including the the, the Keck telescopes, which um, are among the most innovative and um, uh, computerized uh, telescopes on the face of the earth. And this contrast between this ancient industrial um, project and the modern um, uh, information age telescopes fascinated me. Um, and I built the whole story around um, those uh, two different uh, times and cultures. And it gave me a wonderful opportunity to talk about the history of Hawaii. Victim in the case is uh, found in a lava tube. The lava tube leads to a quarry, and uh, then you get the the astronomers involved, uh, and the, uh, the the whole story comes together. But it comes from these two dramatically different directions, which gave me the the uh, the opportunity to build in a lot of characters talking about their own particular role in Hawaiian history from a former relative of a former royalty to a a sovereignty activist to a fisherman. Uh, All of them come into play in this this story. 
and the victim in the story is in many ways a metaphor for the Hawaiian people. Uh, so you see some of the struggles and some of the disappointments and some of the uh, sort of horrific things that happened to uh, Hawaii over the uh, course of its history. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests, because I know we have a lot of listeners who are aspiring writers, any advice for writers that are listening? Oh, yes. Um, the first thing I would say is own your material. Write what you know. Developing the kind of insight and detail into your characters is very difficult if you haven't ever experienced it. I mean, think about it for a minute. If you've never been a detective, how do you go about describing the detective's mental processes as he or she sees different aspects of the crime scene or different witnesses? And the same thing you can say about any character. Um, uh, suppose the character's a fisherman. If you've never been out on a boat, you've never fished, you've never experienced the weather, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you describe that? So first, my first piece of advice is own your material. Write what you know. Uh, if you need to go beyond that, do your homework so that you really, really know what you're writing about. And the second piece of advice that I would give is um, don't chase the trend. Publishing world, like uh, much of today, is very, very trendy. But remember that the manuscript that you start today and finish, let's say you're really quick, you finish it three months from now, and uh, you're really quick and get it to a publisher, and they're going to publish it three months later than that. I mean, they agree to publish it three months later than that. That book is going to take a year or a year and a half to actually get to the, to the uh, bookstores. By the time the publisher gets it scheduled, does the advertising, does all the proofing, does a cover, uh, comes back to you for edits. Um, all that takes time. And none of us are very good at predicting what's going to be trendy 18 months or two years from now. Uh, so you have a better chance, I like to say, of setting the trend than you do, about, than you do of jumping on it. Um, so um, uh, once again, write what you love, write what you know, uh, don't, don't get hooked into following the commercial trend. And lastly, um, I really believe in editors. I think editors, uh, ranging from my wife to some professional editors at the publisher and other places, have made an enormous contribution to my skill as, a, uh, as an author and also to the quality of the, of, of the books. Um, so... Uh, those are my three pieces of advice to an, uh, an aspiring writer. Yeah, solid advice. And, uh, and where can the uh, uh, listeners uh, find you? I would imagine your website is probably the best uh, place to find you. The website would be, you know, it's the most comprehensive. It's www.robertbmacaw. And that's uh, B as in brother. And the last name is M-C-C-A-W. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, and on Twitter. Okay, Robert. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Enjoyed uh, chatting with you uh, about your books. 
Well, I enjoyed it very much, and thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.